Hey everyone, welcome back to the Metabolism, Mindset, and Macros podcast. I am your host, functional nutritionist Natalie Guevara, who specializes in female metabolism and hormones. And I help women with Hashimoto's and PCOS love the reflection that they see in the mirror through helping them manage their symptoms, getting more energy back, and really loving the life that they're living from the inside out. I am so excited to dive into today's podcast topic with you. I am going to be sharing the top five ways that you can lose your first 10 pounds with Hashimoto's or PCOS. I know for so many of you, you have either been conditioned from your medical care provider or from messaging on the internet or the limiting beliefs that you hold in your own mind, how difficult it is to lose weight with Hashimoto's or PCOS. And I want to share with you that while it may be challenging, more challenging than it is for some, it is not impossible. In fact, I have lost over 80 pounds and collectively, I can't tell you how many pounds my clients have lost working with me one-on-one through the years. And so what I want to offer you today is an opportunity to get started, to get started on your journey, literally at your next meal, the next action that you take. And I want to instill hope in what is possible, not only for your body, but for your health and for your life. So without further ado, let's dive right in. So I want to say some of these topics I've been sharing in some some live trainings that I've been doing in the Metabolism, Mindset, and Macros Facebook community. So if any of these are resonating, I would love for you to join us in there so that you can visit these live trainings as well as ask questions and receive support around them. As always, I love to know what is helpful, what is supportive, and, and how I can best serve you through the content that I create on this podcast and within that group. So I'm going to get started with just five easy tips. And I want to really reiterate the fact that these need to be easy. And I also want to call out the fact that our brains are really good at telling us that easy isn't enough. They are constantly challenging us that we need to be doing more. We need to make it harder or we're just not going to get the results. Or on the flip side, we start to do the easy thing. We start to see results and then our brain's going to hyperdrive about we need to be doing more of that, working harder at that in order to get results faster. So I have a three E kind of checklist that I want my clients to go by when we're, we're trying new things together. And they are the three E's. It needs to be effective towards the goal that we're working towards, right? So everyone has specific goals and you'll hear me as I move through these five, these five tips say again and again, how individualized your nutrition, your fitness, your lifestyle, everything needs to be to you. No one has the same metabolic blueprint, the same hormonal profile, none of that. Everyone is coming to their journey from a unique standpoint, a unique history. Um, Your health is different, all of the things down to your personal preferences and, and your mindset. So all of this needs to be deeply, deeply personal, but whatever you're doing needs to be effective for your unique goal. One thing that I personally used to struggle with, and I've heard from so many of my clients that you'll see on the internet, especially with social media, it is so hot right now to see something and be like, oh my goodness, that worked for so-and-so, I'm gonna start doing that. Yet it worked for so-and-so maybe because it worked for their unique goal, It was a strategy for them, and it might not even be relevant to the actual thing that you're working on, but because they got some kind of result, our brains automatically go, hey, let's do that. 
It's like shiny object syndrome. I was actually, this is funny. I was sharing with a coach friend of mine recently how I was been really struggling in, in some areas of my life. I've been struggling a lot with, with fatigue and motivation and things like that. I have an eight month old. And so I, just on top of the Hashimoto's and PCOS, the sleep deprivation and all the things have just made things you know, uniquely challenging in this season. And so I found myself, I, I keep a number of coaches for myself and I found myself looking out of my support system for additional things that might quote work. And I had a light bulb one day that, oh my goodness, I literally was bypassing all the support that I already had to try to find the shiny object as a way to self-sabotage rather than leaning into the resources that I already had within my network. And this is something that is so common. And I want to remind you that there is this ego portion of our brain, we all have it, that wants to that wants control. And it's not a bad thing. It's what's kept us alive this far because it's designed to keep us safe. But on the flip side, in keeping us safe, it also wants to keep us stuck exactly how we are right now. I tell my clients all the time that our metabolism, our minds really don't care what we see in the mirror, really don't care about our reflection. All they care about is keeping us safe. And right now, whatever your current result is, the current reality that you're living is a result of, of, yes, your hormones, yes, your condition, but also of habits, behaviors, and decisions that we've made up until this point. And in order to change that, we have to create new behaviors and new habits. And that's really challenging for our brain because it's unknown. Even though the logical portion of our brain may be like, you know, this is going to help me reduce, reduce my fatigue or reduce belly bloat or, you know, reduce my risk of type 2 diabetes. The ego portion of our brain is like, no, I can control this current reality because it's what I know. And so it's really easy to get caught up in all the these shiny things and and really um, really avoid what is the most effective thing. The other piece of it is that it needs to be somewhat effortless. Now, easy is earned. However, we don't need to make things as hard as possible. And this is something that I personally struggle with still to this day. And so many of my clients embody a lot of my similar qualities. So they're driven, they're focused. And they want to make things as hard as possible. We need to meet ourselves where we are, whether that's with your nutrition, whether that's with your exercise, whether that's with your sleep and stress management. We need to meet ourselves where we are and find just that tiny little level above that, which is going to bring in an element of effortlessness into the process. That way, when we are dealing with bouts of fatigue, when we are dealing with bouts of anxiety, when life comes at us, if it's not that far above our baseline, it creates this element of us still being able to show up for our results, to still being able to follow through. And therefore, we're actually compounding so that we can take the next step and the next step and the next step. Again, your brain's going to tell you to make it harder. And that's where that's where coaching can really be an invaluable resource. Most people think that I spend most of my time coaching women on how to adjust their nutrition and fitness, but I would actually argue I spend 80% of it helping them manage their mind, helping them break down these limiting beliefs and these stories that their mind's making up for them so that they can move past it and they can get results. The last piece is it needs to be somewhat enjoyable. We are creatures designed for pleasure and comfort. So again, going back to this concept of making things hard and miserable, 
I want to challenge you to ask yourself when you set a new goal, when you set a new action item, is that something that you can enjoy or make enjoyable just a tiny little bit? If not, let's pull back and find something else because the more you dread it, the less likely you are to actually do this. And you can look at this. This is this is huge for me with house chores. So I have to constantly find little things to make, you know, things like laundry or dishes more enjoyable because I just don't want to do them, even with cooking, right? So over the years, I've found ways to find joy in those moments because otherwise I'm just flat not going to do it. All right. So with that being said, let's get into these five tips. Tip number one is to eat a healthy diet. But before you hit stop and say, okay, I'm done, I want to shift your perspective on what that actually means and what that looks like. First of all, healthy is a different definition for every single person. Healthy doesn't mean clean. Healthy doesn't mean keto. Doesn't mean we give up carbs. Doesn't mean we give up gluten. Eating a healthy, balanced diet is essential for your health and well-being. Eating, quote, healthy isn't necessarily enough for weight loss, and we're going to talk about that in other tips. But by focusing on nutrient-dense whole foods such as fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lean protein sources, and healthy fats, we can actually start to balance our blood sugar, manage our hunger and cravings without focusing on what we're removing. Most folks, when they start to focus on weight loss or they focus on changing their body, they get all negative about all the things that they have to give up. I have to give up this. I can't do that anymore. And it more often than not leads to just this, this piece of dread, right? When I told you that it needs to be enjoyable, going back to that. And so rather than focusing on what, what's, quote, not good for you and what you, quote, need to give up, if you focus on what you can add, how you can add value to your current diet, I promise you, more often than not with my one-on-one -on -one clients, some of the less desirable behaviors tend to work themselves out. So rather than saying, I'm going to avoid processed food, sugary drinks, um, you know, starchy carbs and things like that, say, I'm going to add an extra serving of vegetables to one meal per day or two meals per day when that becomes easy. Again, check your mind on the effective, effortless, and enjoyable. If you struggle to get vegetables in, one meal is good enough. If you're noticing that you only are consuming protein at maybe one meal, that could be a good focus for you to just add in protein, to start your day. This is actually one of my clients a couple of weeks ago shared over and over and over again through her reflections and through our our messaging, our one-on-one -on -one messaging and our app about how much just front-loading her day with protein literally changed the game for her. We didn't change her calorie count. We didn't change her macros. We literally just added protein to her breakfast. She started losing weight. Cravings were going away and she was losing that 3 p.m. energy slump. That's it. That's all we changed. And so by focusing on addition, it also puts us in the mindset of abundance rather than the diet culture, the diet mentality of scarcity. I need to pull back, have less, um, exercise more, all of these different things that, again, puts our nervous system in this fight or flight. It's like, ooh, this is going to be hard. This is going to be dangerous. And then the ego portion of our brain grips and says, no, I don't want to do that. And then ultimately, we don't. We cannot bully our bodies. We cannot bully our minds. We can work with them and they will work with us. The second tip is to watch your portions. Even healthy foods can lead to weight gain. So from a scientific standpoint, in order to lose weight, we must be in a caloric deficit, an energy deficit, meaning we take in less food than we burn. Now, 
I go into a lot of detail with my one-on-one -on -one clients. I work with them on figuring out what their maintenance number is, what their weight loss number is, and how we can lose weight eating as much as we possibly can. And so this is not something that's going to be super easy to walk you through on just a podcast episode without knowing your history um, and all of the other things. But by understanding our portions, then we can start to use things like a food scale, measuring cups, whatever, again, effective, effortless, and somewhat easy to make sure that we're actually eating appropriate portion sizes. Again, this is going to vary from person to person, but just starting by having that knowledge can be so helpful. One of my dietitian friends, he came up with this formula. This is not original, but I love it. It's minding your P's and Q's when it comes to your nutrition. So your P's are your portions and protein, right? We need to manage our, our portions, protein at every single meal, and the Q's are quality and quantity. So what I going back to the first point, what I encourage folks to focus on first is that quality piece, is that quality piece. Because again, when we start to focus on that quality, a lot of the times I see the quantity of food that we're taking in go down. Or the opposite, if you're under eating, which does happen, right? Because so many of us are told that we need to keep eating less in order to lose. And without going in again to the science of that, what happens is we experience metabolic adaptation, which means our basal metabolic rate lowers. And so for some of you, a reverse diet is appropriate. If this is something that you're like, I don't know if this is for me, I'm going to drop the link in the show notes. Take a moment, book a free consultation call with me. There is no obligation. We can kind of chat about where you are and what next, what next steps would look like. And if it's something that you're seeking support with or for right now, then we can chat about my one-on-one -on -one coaching program and maybe it would be maybe if it would be a good fit for us to work together. But again, focusing on getting in protein at every single meal, focusing on adding value to our meals, right? And just start to notice if your portions change. I, for me personally, again, this is completely individual. I love using a food scale because it's so easy, but it does just give you a lot of information around how much we're consuming, what a portion looks like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's definitely not something where you need to keep a food scale in your purse and take it to restaurants or on vacation or become super obsessive about it. It's just a tool. It's just a tool for us to collect data and that's it. Tip number three is to exercise regularly. I want to check your mindset on this again, because typically when I say that, our, our brains immediately go to, okay, 30 minutes of exercise every single day. But I want to change how you perceive what exercise is. Moving our bodies, while is not required for weight loss, weight loss comes from our nutrition, it's essential for overall health. It is essential for our digestion, for those of us who are dealing with issues with insulin sensitivity. It's a great way to improve our insulin sensitivity, manage our blood sugar. It's a great way to improve our overall energy production. It is a great way to promote healthy sleep. It's a great way to promote healthy portion sizes and the, the quantity and the quality of our food, so on and so forth. But what it doesn't need to look like is a lot of intense activity. In fact, for most of my clients, it's the absolute opposite of what it means. People are told that they need to be doing high intensity interval training for PCOS in order to increase their burning capacity, et cetera, et cetera, all these lies. We just need to improve, improve and increase how much we're moving. So while this could look like 30 minutes of moderate intensity activity, like weightlifting, there is never a wrong reason to lift weights unless you have an, ener uh, an energy, an injury, never a wrong reason. Muscle is fantastic for your health, for your hormones, for longevity, all the things. So it could look like that. 
But if you're brand new to ex exercise and activity, let's not book a personal trainer for four times a week. Let's not join Body Pump at the gym five days per week. Let's find a happy medium where maybe we're just increasing our overall steps, our overall activity. So there's exercise, workouts, and training, and then there's NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. There's lots of different ways to move your body from walking, cycling, swimming, dancing, yoga, all kinds of different ways. We just want to increase our overall activity. So again, going back to that effortless piece, looking at where you are, a lot of us have trackers, whether it's our phone or Apple watch or our Fitbit that tell us how many steps that we get per day. If you're looking at your watch and you're getting between three to 5,000 steps per day, an easy way to, would be just to increase it by 10%. Increase it by 10% and when that is effortless and that is completely easy and you can do that just as you could brushing your teeth, increase it another 10% or even 5%. Just increase how much you're moving. And as that starts to feel good and as you start to have more, um, I was gonna say injury there, energy, then perhaps you start to increase the, the other activity that you do. Perhaps you start to take one or two classes at your local fitness studio, whatever that looks like. In our coaching program, we provide our clients with, with workouts as well as suggestions for things like Peloton rides or Peloton runs and things like that because it is a really important part of the overall picture and the overall journey, but it's not the whole piece. Again, a lot of people, and partially this is because big box gyms really want to fill their, their group fitness classes and their personal trainer schedules, right? That's how they, that's how they keep the lights on. That's how they keep money. So they're selling, you know, we're going to help you lose weight and doing X, Y, and Z and for better or worse. Um, a lot of times populations like hormonal populations are preyed upon in this way because they know that we struggle more than just the average active individual. And so for a lot of my clients, they come to me and they're like, I've been working out five days a week at, at such and such, and I don't look like I've ever worked out a day in my life. And so again, it's, it's typically not so much of let's do more and see how much we can do, but finding the right balance. For a lot of folks, literally just increasing how much we're walking is going to help you start to get some easy wins. And when you're dealing with things like fatigue, when you're dealing with things like muscle aches and joint aches, it can be really unmotivating to go try to make your body any more sore, right? And so just simple walking is a great way for you to just move your body. I've had clients, I have, I personally have a walking pad that I use at my desk. It's fantastic. I've had clients get the under the desk uh, ellipticals or cycles and they'll just use, they'll even use them at the couch, right? just any way to move your body a little bit more. Number four is managing stress. This can be a tough one, but what we can go back to again is that mindset piece and really managing our mindset around stress. Stress can impact your hormone levels, making it harder to lose weight, increasing your cortisol. Stress can impact your sleep, which also increases your cortisol, which also increases your hunger hormones, making you hungrier, making you craving, crave more. So finding ways to manage stress can be huge, but also managing your mindset around stress. There's always going to be stressors that we can't control. There's going to be circumstances. There's going to be individuals. There's going to be all kinds of things that are beyond our control. But recognizing where we can control and not let the circumstance, not let the individual, not let whatever it is control us to where we do find ourselves in this debilitating stress, right? Increasing our anxiety, maybe fueling depression. This can help or... I mean, it does help decrease our motivation, but it's not helpful. So 
practicing yoga can be a great way to manage stress. But again, if we're running out of time and we're fatigued, it can be a little bit much. Meditation is something that we can do in one to five minutes. Deep breathing exercises can be a great way to manage your stress. I actually encourage several of my clients that are in high stress situations to set a timer, set an alarm, and remind themselves to just sit and breathe deeply all the way into their belly for three to five minutes multiple times throughout the day. Meditation and, and breathing exercises are some of the top studied modalities for helping to minimize stress and, and, and reduce stress. And so again, one of the, in my, my four, four R framework, the final R, which they all work together is resilience. And so one of the big things that we want to cultivate as, as we are working to restore health. And again, you know, not only just loving what you're seeing in the mirror, but loving how you're feeling in that version of yourself and building resilience is a mental thing. It's an emotional thing and it's a physical thing. And so we want to build resilience through our metabolism, our hormones, as well as our mindset, our stress resilience and, and all of the things. So checking in with when you, when stress is running high, what are ways that you can release and let go and manage your stress a little bit more effectively and efficiently? Sleep. This is a tough one because if you're anything like me, I used to struggle with getting to sleep. And then once I got to sleep, I would wake up periodically throughout the night. Now, as I mentioned, I'm eight months postpartum, so I'm getting up quite a, quite a few times throughout the night as it is now to take care of a little one. But sleep is essential. Sleep is essential for your health. Sleep is essential for weight loss. Again, going back to increasing cortisol, increasing hunger hormones. You know, we don't make the best decisions when we're tired. That's something that I've really struggled with in the past eight months. I've been really, really tired. And actually something that I was talking to my therapist about was the fact that when we are doing some of these mindset things and things like that, it can be harder. It can be harder to break down some of the bullshit stories that we're holding in our brain when our brains are tired. So recognizing where, you know, if you are able to seven to eight hours of sleep each night is ideal, but we want to make sure that we're getting quality sleep. So wherever we can improve that, whether it is literally going to bed earlier, working on a bedtime routine, maybe incorporating things like the meditation or the deep breathing before bed, turning off things like our phones or TVs, making sure that we're eating at least two hours before we go to sleep so our heart rate can lower and we can move into the rest phase instead of just actively digesting. Maybe it's listening to some peaceful music, taking a bath, whatever that looks like for you. I'll be honest, for a lot of, for a lot of days for me right now, I get the baby to bed, I eat dinner, I stay up just long enough to help myself digest. I read a book and then I'm going to sleep and just hoping that I wash my face. But looking at ways to bookend, something to cue to my brain that it's time to go to bed is to put on some cozy PJs to wash my face and brush my teeth. And so this doesn't need to be this grand 30 minute to 60 minute bedtime routine, but just looking to, for little ways that you can signal to your brain and to, to your body that it's okay to start winding down and sticking with that. Blue lights we know are a big thing. And I know that it's so tempting to lay in bed and scroll social media. Been there too. So whatever things that you can notice, how can you improve it by 1% so that your sleep quality is improving 1% at a time? One thing that I tell my clients when I bring up the 1% <laughs> is imagine if you improved 1% every single day for 30 days. That's 30% improvement. Going back to the mindset that really changes our perspective from 1% isn't a lot to, oh my goodness, how quickly I can improve by 30%.
even if you're improving 1% per week, it really doesn't take that long to build it up. Going back to exercise, my favorite thing to tell folks if they're really struggling, if they're really struggling with joint aches, pains, fatigue, is to just start with five minutes a day, whether it's a walk, whether it's stretching, yoga, doing one set of a strength training workout program, five minutes. If you start with five minutes, think about how quickly you can get up to that 30 minutes just by putting, literally putting in the reps and showing up for yourself. I hope that this was helpful. I would love to know what's resonating. I would love to know what you're trying. If you haven't already, make sure you join us in the Metabolism Mindset and Macros Facebook community. I am regularly in there doing live trainings, ask, answering questions, yes, asking questions too, and providing valuable resources, techniques, and tools. If you're ready to take this to the next level, I would love to chat with you about my one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching program that is designed just for the woman dealing with Hashimoto's and PCOS who wants to manage her symptoms, wants to lose the weight, and most importantly, keep it off for good without any fad diets or gimmicks or unsustainable crap that is out there. As always, if you could take a moment, leave a five-star rating review and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the podcast uh, become more accessible to, to more people. And that's what we want. That's what us creators that are out here creating this free content want. We just want more people to have access to it. As always, I hope you have a great rest of your day and I will talk to you again next week.